This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Before we step into my kitchen, a quick note. Although Taylor Delic is no longer at the Four Seasons, I am still so excited to share this conversation with you. Here's something that we should, and I should, be thinking more about. Being one's authentic self always in the restaurant business, because you don't know who's watching and how you affect people. You never know who's having a bad day, and how your interaction could make every difference and even open up a new opportunity. That actually happened. And it's why Taylor Delk, an anchor or maitre d' at the iconic Four Seasons restaurant in New York, is my guest for this conversation. Coming up, you'll hear what happened and the wonderful way she made everything better. What it means to persevere and be determined and work your butt off in the food business. Thoughts on being controlled by passion in a positive way. Taylor's dedication to her craft at a level that is rare and in fact, infectious. Her bad stories about men. Spoiler alert she doesn't have any. How each parent gave her something different toward her love of food before she left home at 18. And the very idea of embodying the concept of hospitality. In the vast culinary landscape we share, we are all carving out a place for ourselves. Each of us in our own way is a one woman kitchen. I'm Roseanne Gold and welcome to my kitchen. Hi, Taylor. Thank you so much for being here. No, of course. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, I certainly cried when I got the notice at work. So thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, you and I met in a very unusual way. I think I want to share it. Uh, Please go ahead. (laughs) There may be a, a teaching lesson here, and I'm going to reveal something about myself I'm not so proud of, but I didn't know who you were two weeks ago. I never heard of you. I didn't know anything about you, even though you know I've been in the business for a long time and know a lot of women in food. So we were having a drink at the Four Seasons, the, the new Four Seasons, and I needed a glass of wine because I had a fight with my daughter and I wasn't in a good mood. And you came over to the table and you were looking very beautiful and, and uh, you were charming as can be. And I said, well, I wanted a glass of wine. So you gave me the uh, wine card, but the wine card was really um, a tablet, right? Mm-hmm. A, yes. Yeah, a technological tablet. What's, what is the real word for it, by the way? I'm, oh, no, it's, it's a tablet. It's an iPad tablet with an the iPad, wine list. An it, iPad. Yeah. And I started scrolling and it wasn't tracking and I couldn't find the wine and I'm starting to get like a little edgy. And you were charming. You said, what kind of wine would you like, white or red? And I said, I don't know what I want. And I won't know until I can see the list. And I'm just getting frustrated. And you are trying to be so kind and so nice. And then finally, I think I, I don't know what I did, Taylor, but you left. You left the table. And some other waitress or server came over and I said, oh, my God, what have I done? And I felt so bad. And uh, 10 minutes went by and we were with our guests and we were drinking some wine and something, I just felt so uncomfortable. So I went to the general manager and I said, who was that lovely woman? I, I want to talk to her. He goes, well, why? And I said, well, I need to apologize. So you came out and I said to you, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I was rude and I uh, feel terrible about it, but I had a fight with my daughter and blah, 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 blah. And you said something to me that just blew me away. 
you said, what can I get for you? And I said, wow, what kind of training? Who is this person? <laughs> and, um, and then you shared something with me that your grandmother had just passed away. And then we wound up hugging. And to me, this is one of the most beautiful stories in my recent history, how something like uncomfortable could result in a, a really a new friend. But little did I know what your background was. So very quickly, I just kind of said, what planet are you from and who are you? Just thinking maybe you were, you know, just who knows. And you started telling me about your career. And in five minutes, I realized that I was standing with one of the most experienced women in food. So how about that? I can't think of anyone that I know. I know women in the back of the house, but I don't know anyone in the front of the house who has your experience. And you're pretty young. So oh. tell me about it. How did no, it start? No, thank you so much. I know I'm on a radio show, but I'm bright red right now. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, that means a lot. Uh, so my background, I'm originally from Dallas, Texas. Um, grew up playing a bunch of sports, did my culinary program at my high school, fell in love, worked in a bunch of restaurants there. And I just really wanted to do something out of the box. I mean, born and raised in Texas, most people don't live anywhere else. I can say that for a fact. Like, nobody in my family had ever lived anywhere else. Hmm. So I just kind of checked out different states to see how far away I could get and still like it. (laughs) Um, Hated California. Sorry, California. Um, And then visited New York, fell in love. And right after I turned 18, I moved up here to attend the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. So I got my associates in culinary arts there as part of the program I did an externship at Tribeca Grill in New York City. So I worked in the kitchen there. I went from uh, prep to garmanger to hot apps, pastry, the grill, fish station. Wow. Um, in a pretty short period of time, I think it was about three, two or three months. I can't quite remember. Um, I know I stayed longer than I should have because <laughs> uh, I just loved it so much. Um, completed associates and then went on to the bachelor's program at the CIA, same campus, uh, for restaurant and hotel management. During that program, I did a stint in Spain, Mm. uh, for about a month and a half. We toured about, I think it was 12 to 15 different cities. Uh, we went to wineries, Michelin star restaurants, uh, small, kind of what you would consider a bodega, I guess, but the Spain (laughs) version, just to experience the culture um, and the differences in food experiences. Uh, So I did that and then moved to Denver right after graduation. Mm -hmm. Liked the city, didn't really like the food scene. It just wasn't up to par with New York. I mean, what is? So (laughs) We can um, debate about that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, here at least. Um, so then I moved back to New York and started at Clicky on Sons, and mm. it's been about six years since then. I've probably worked in eight different restaurants, Mission starred and not, um, in many different aspects, all the way from busser to manager. So here I am at the Four Seasons now as an anchor. So what does that mean, actually, an anchor? I've never heard that term in terms of yeah. front of the house. So the Four Seasons uses old school terms. So our AGM is actually called the maitre d'. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm basically a maitre d', front of house manager as an anchor. Um, and so that's what that means. 
I, you know, I've been around for a long time, and it's funny, I've never heard that word. I really like it. I hadn't either until I started here. Mm. But, you know, you mentioned something about loving the experience at Tribeca Grill so much when you were in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and you stayed longer than you should have because you loved it so much. I did. So I'm really wondering why you decided to leave the back of the house and the kitchen in order to... Um, you know, go to the front of the house and really have a very different career path? Um, I do really like to push myself and get out of my comfort zone. And as odd as it sounds, I'm extremely comfortable in the kitchen. Mm. It's kind of where I find my place most of the time because it reminds me of so much of being on a sports team, which is what I grew up doing. Um, What did you play, Taylor? um, I played soccer mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, I almost got a full-ride scholarship for college, but uh, that didn't work out. Um, so this idea of team really resonates yeah, with you team, and you love being part of that. Absolutely. Uh, the team aspect, everybody's got their role to play. We're all there for one goal. Um, it really translates. And especially the adrenaline rush working in a kitchen, it's exactly the same. Were you the um, only woman in the kitchen at the time? Every kitchen I ever worked in, I was the only female. Wow. We really need to talk more about that. So number <laughs> one, how did that feel? Uh, it was fantastic. It was actually very satisfying and gratifying. Um Obviously, I would love and am very excited that women have moved as far as they have in the last 12 years. Um, but at the same time, it was it gave me a sense of validation that I was doing well at what I was doing. Were the guys very helpful in terms of training you and making you part of the team? Oh, absolutely. I am to this day, I am friends with every single gentleman from the Tribeca Girl Kitchen all the way from 10 years ago. Uh, We still speak. I actually hung out with them. Hi, Rodney. Um, I hung out with them three nights ago. So we still see each other all the time. We keep up with each other. You know, we, it's very. Taylor, do you think your experience is unusual? Because, you know, we are living in the kind of Me Too movement. And uh, I have worked in many kitchens. And that wasn't always my experience where, you know, the guys were so uh, beneficent and um, helpful. I I will say, compared to other stories I've heard, I think mine is unique. And I think I'm very lucky in that way. And I'm very appreciative for it, for every man that's worked with me and, like, really supported me. Um well, I really love that you're saying that because we're living in a world, too, where I think it's actually important to tell those stories as well. There's too much uh, men bashing right now, and that's also not fair because men have also helped me so much in, in, in my career. So, But it sounds like you brought the team spirit, and they saw a really hard worker. And I wanted to ask you about that, the idea of being so dedicated and um, and driven in a way. And it sounds like you, like you were long hours. It's hot. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, to think at the, even thinking back, I can't even believe it. I was only 18 going into 19 and I was doing that. Thinking back at it now, I was just like, what was I thinking? (laughs) How did I think I could do this? How did I think I could do this? What what year was that actually when you, when you went to Tribeca Grill and had the kitchen experience? That was 2010. No, 2000. 2009 going into 2010. So tell me, what would it look like today, um, either in that restaurant in particular, or you've worked in so many restaurants now in the front Mm -hmm. of the house capacity. What are you seeing behind the scenes? Are there more women? Oh, absolutely. There are. Okay. I would say it's more than tripled. In back of the house? 
Yes. Well, you know, there was always this cliche, too, though, about women would become pastry chefs. And are you seeing that change? Are they more on the hotline? Are they doing... I've actually never worked in any restaurant where the pastry chefs are female. Oh, that's cool. Good. They're all on the line. Um, I work right now with quite a few spectacular women that work on our front of house line. and At the new Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. And even Tribeca Grill, the pastry chef, uh, was a male who worked right next to me on Garmanger. He helped me every single day with everything. Uh, right now, we have Bill Yozis as our pastry chef yeah, he the was the, Seasons. He was the pastry chef of the White House. He was. He was. Um, so he's fantastic. Um, it's not strictly pastry anymore for women. And I think that's amazing. So when you were working in the kitchen at the age of 18, and I definitely want to ask about your parents and how they felt and you left Texas and um, <laughs> to wind up in you know New York and working on the hotline, uh, which part of it did you like the best? Which station? Ooh, that would be... Hmm, that's a tough one. Well, you can I love, mention two or three. It sounds like you love them all. I love all of them. I definitely like playing with fire a little bit more than lettuce. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say actually Hot Apps was certainly the most challenging simply because the way the stations were typically set up. The mm-hmm. salamander, I mean, I'm almost six foot, but the salamander mm-hmm. was still about six and a half feet high off the ceiling. And, you know, in the winter... You're putting mm. French onion soups up there and grabbing it with tongs and you're pu- pulling boiling soup above your head and trying to put it on a scissor plate and bring it down and just not kill yourself. Wow, so, this is bringing me way back. We're yeah. two tall girls in the kitchen. I yeah. think we're both almost the same height. Um, so this idea of one woman kitchen, right, the name of the show, mm-hmm. I'm so curious what this means to you. And maybe we can talk a little bit about this. Um, because in our own ways, you know, we all are uh, creating our own path in this crazy culinary world. Absolutely. Um, well, the first thing I thought was, it's for me, it's not ever about any one person. We all, again, play our parts and we all depend on each other to make a great service and a great experience. But for me, it was a little bit more personal, um, kind of like Seinfeld being the master of your domain. Yes. Um, taking accountability for everything that you do and, you know, just working it and running it and, you know, making sure it goes right. It's just being accountable. That's so what it means one to woman me. kitchen to you would mean really showing up and taking responsibility. Absolutely. And being very aware of everyone and everything happening mm-hmm. around you to make a cohesive experience. Yeah, as much as possible. I mean, we all drop the ball sometimes, but as long as you can come back later and say, hey, I kind of messed up on this part or I did this and I'm sorry, but thank you for, you know, picking up my slack. It comes down all the way to there. Wonderful. And do you have um, experiences with women in the back of the house that haven't been so good? Because sometimes I think we make this assumption that just because women are working with women, that can that can be rough too sometimes, right? No, I can't. I really honestly can't say that I've had a bad experience with work, working with a woman in the kitchen. Um, either from both back of house sides or me in the front of house and in the back of house. Like every woman I've met has been extremely supportive. I think, you know, we're really coming together and we're making it work. So you feel that this is a fantastic industry for a young woman to get into? I think it's definitely getting better and it's growing. And I think that's really encouraging. I'm so glad to hear that. 
So coming up, you'll hear where Taylor's love of food came from. Darkness falls, mysteries unfold, has the night cast a spell inside my soul. Here's a cooking tip to share. People have been asking me, what's the next scale? And I say cabbage, green cabbage. I've started to roast my cabbage. You just take a head of green cabbage, cut it into wedges, and put it on a baking sheet. Drizzle with some olive oil and toss it really well with some salt and pepper. And cook it in a 500 degree preheated oven for 15 minutes. Some of the cabbage leaves will actually blacken and they get sweet and delicious. From my kitchen to yours, give it a try and pass it along. Taylor, I am so interested. You left home, Texas, at 18. You came to New York. Where did your love of food come from? Um, well, that's kind of an easy one for me. My, When I was very little, my father used to set me up on the counter while he was cooking dinner. Um, I got to stir the sauces, put in the spices, <laughs> and ask all these stupid questions. And he would answer everything, and I just I loved it. It was a great bonding time. Um, He taught me how to grill. He taught me how to do everything. And then with my mother, with the grocery store, you know, (laughs) my mom's a trip. I always hated going to the grocery store, but she would make it so entertaining because she would go out of her way to embarrass us in public (laughs) just to get us to lighten up and enjoy it and make it seem not like a chore. So, again, great bonding experiences. I just felt like every great memory I had evolved around food. So then entering a magnet high school that centered around culinary arts, law, and theater, uh, my whole family is doctors, lawyers, secretaries, all that kind of stuff. And from a very early age, my father never tried to push me to do what he did. He said, find what you love. Mm. So, of course, my whole family expected me to go to the law program, and I chose culinary arts. Um, And they were supportive. Absolutely. 100%. Wonderful. Um, So they've always been completely supportive and had my back in everything that I tried to do and just always pushed the same morals of perseverance and, you know, never giving up. So let's talk a little bit more about the actual food and what you were stirring and what kind of spices. So did your parents uh, cook in a particular way? Oh, yeah. Everybody in my family is from Texas, born and raised, never lived anywhere else. Um. Very simple food, just a bunch of simple grilled chicken, grilled steaks, you know, tomato sauces with a little bit of rosemary, basil, nothing extravagant. Mm-hmm. It was all extremely healthy. My whole family is very healthy. Um, so basic stuff, but done very well. Um, you know, my father and I always had a routine where we'd go to Whole Foods every Sunday. Uh, we'd go to the gym, we'd work out, and then we'd go to Whole Foods, we'd have our smoothie and our sandwich. And then we'd go do our grocery shopping. It was a whole like six-hour ordeal. 
Because wow. um, especially when I was younger, I'd wander around and just be like, what's this? What's this? What's that? What can we use this for? Can I have that? Would I like this? Well, you mentioned um, before your mother made it, uh, grocery shopping so much fun and you used the word we. So who else was there in your uh, shopping cart? <laughs> my, my older sister was there as well. But did um, she feel the same way about food that you did? Or do you think this is something that you brought to the table, so to speak? Um. My sister loves food definitely as much as I do, but mm-hmm. I think I was definitely more interested in the technical aspects mm. and the whys and wheres. Why does this go with this? Why do we do it this way? You know. So you had a curiosity that went yeah. way beyond just taste. Yes. There is something about um, the kitchen, and very often it's the mother, so you know, one-woman kitchen. But I love that you started with your father, that mm-hmm. this was um, you know, a supreme bonding experience for you. So taste memories and love and bonding and a way for us to be, you know, with our parents mm-hmm. in uh, this ritual that we're all going to share. I mean, were you a family that sat down to dinner together every night? Um, for the most part, yes. Uh, my parents are separated, so we didn't have family dinners all together, but separately as families we did. Um, and it was always great. It was never something that we had to miss out on. And if I were to ask you your most outstanding um, food memory in terms of an actual dish or taste, does something come to mind? It's okay if it doesn't. But As a child us, or yes, just all together? A child. A child. Ooh. Um, that would definitely have to be my grandmother's chocolate pie at Thanksgiving. Chocolate pie. Okay. Tell me about that. Um, And your grandmother. Yes. All right. And was she like the master of a one-woman kitchen as well? Oh, absolutely. They don't make them like that anymore. (laughs) Um, Well, tell me more about her. So she's – she was an amazing woman, Um, very strong-willed, very, you know, ran the household. And for Thanksgiving, she always makes a very decadent chocolate pie. Yes. And then she makes a lemon pie that my family jokingly calls stinky mouth pie (laughs) Uh, because you reek of lemon for – Ever. Like Usually, you, when you think of reeking, you think of garlic, not lemon, but it, it no, must it's, be fabulous. it's very strong. So, but it's funny because you start with the chocolate and then you go into the lemon kind of as an aperitif pie. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. I love this idea of pies as aperitifs. Isn't it great? You definitely have courses of desserts, and I think that should be a thing. It's a wonderful idea, but I think there actually are some restaurants now that are are doing that. They, they do, have all and I fully menus. support them. Yes. <laughs> um, do you make these dishes? Do you make lemon pie and, and chocolate pie? Um, I have not received the recipes yet, but ah. I will soon, hopefully. Well, we're going to talk about the idea of a legacy recipe a little bit later, so it's very interesting that you're mentioning them now. I'm wondering mm-hmm. which one will win, the lemon or the chocolate. Oh, it's actually something completely recipe. different. So. <laughs> <laughs> so wonderful. So so you always had this great feel about it, but did you know any other women who actually were involved in the culinary world or, no, or role um, models? Even just, you know, 15 years ago when I started, culinary arts was not a huge trend, especially in Texas and especially not for women. So I didn't really have any women figures in the industry to look up to. I just looked up to people that had a huge passion and enthusiasm for their own profession. And I was like, I want to find what makes me feel like that. Wow. And, and did you ever have any doubts? Was I mean, because sometimes, right, Not life is not a straight path. Oh, absolutely. So um, what were some of the rocky moments? And what do you feel the most insecure about? Uh, rocky moments, I would say 
Right after moving to Hyde Park, my third week of college, I got appendicitis Ooh. and had to get my appendix out. So I'm in a brand new state, never been here before, in college for obviously the first time, away from home, had to be rushed to the hospital. And I mean, thank God for my parents, I because my phone died when I was in the hospital. So I had barely even been able to contact them. Mm. And I just woke up and they were there. Wow. And they had both flown out together. So the... That was a rocky moment, but it turned out great. Um, in terms of insecurities, I think, uh, I mean, you and I met in the restaurant, and I think you can tell if outside of the restaurant, I am a little bit more introverted. So that's always been a struggle for me. Uh, but once I step on the floor in a restaurant, it's like something, like a switch is flipped, and... I just feel so comfortable and at ease. It's literally the only time I feel comfortable in my own skin is when I'm at work. Keller, that is a fascinating awareness to have about yourself. And um, I, I love this idea of really stepping into, is that, though you were stepping into clothes, mm -hmm. uh, that you step into your position and your job. And as I say, you so own it. I mean, you just made me feel, um, you know, so good. and. Um, you know, and thank you. Thank you for that awareness. So I'm wondering now, too, with this great experience that you've had and the fact that you're only 28 years old, um, what's next for you? If there is a next, I mean, you you are working in a very, very important new restaurant, <laughs> The Four Seasons. Everyone was so excited about it opening because it had moved locations, you know, mm -hmm. had been around since 1959, Absolutely. I think it was. It's a legacy. Uh, so what is it like for you to you know what? Forget that question about moving on. You you are very present where you are. What is it like for you to be uh, working in this very iconic restaurant? Um, I mean, I'll tell you from the very beginning, it was overwhelming. Mm. Um, I'm very lucky in that, you know, uh, the executive chef, Diego Garcia, is a very good friend from college. So he really? just, yeah, he called me up one day and was like, I'm opening a new restaurant. Do you want to come work with me? <laughs> and I, I liked where I was at, so I was like, uh, maybe, I don't know. And then I ran into another friend, uh, Ryan McGinnis, who I worked with at Bettany. Um, and he was like, yeah, I'm opening up this new restaurant with some friends. Like, you want to come work with me? And I was like, uh, I don't know. But and he, he was, mentioned the Four Seasons? So uh, he just said a new Diego restaurant? Diego didn't, but then Ryan did. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to check that <laughs> out. And then I walk in and Diego's like kind of shaking his head at me like I invited you too um but so it's it made it a lot it made the transition easier because I knew and was familiar with people that worked there mm -hmm. um but it's fantastic everyone there is extremely supportive and encouraging and you know we're all killing it together every day as much as we can and it's one big, I love that crazy, Taylor, happy family. Killing it together. <laughs> yeah. But it's a big responsibility to be an anchor in an iconic restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I had a I had a very good friend of mine when she found out. She was like, you realize you're one of the most powerful women in New York City right now, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, like I wasn't nervous enough. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Maybe that's what I was, you know, responding to, too, when you, when you showed up at the table. Um, so do you have any advice? Very often when I, I like to mentor young people, men and women, but, you know, I have a preference for women. Um, I often say start at the bottom, at the top. This is really how I feel. Uh, do you have any kind of 
words of advice or something that really was your kind of golden rule? Yeah, I, I mean, not in terms of advice, but what helped me the most. I just knew from the beginning, since I was brand new to this and really didn't have much experience like 12 years ago, explore every facet of the industry that you can to figure out what you enjoy the most, to stay the most true to yourself, because that's where you're going to be the most successful. I mean, I've done it all. I've been a dishwasher, a busser, front server, back server, captain, uh, host, anchor, assistant manager, manager. Uh, I worked in the kitchens. I've been an assistant manager to the uh, owning partner of a restaurant group. Just try everything while you can and figure out what you like the most. Don't be afraid to push yourself. That's wonderful. And now I wish I had done all of those things too. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. No, of course. Coming up, you'll hear Taylor's perspective on authenticity. You'll hear her comments about a cake I baked for her. And she'll share a recipe with me. And the gate to the garden of fulfilled desire is reached by a road. Follow me on Instagram at Roseanne Gold and check out everything I'm up to on my website at rosangold.com. So I made this cake, and you said that you think it is gorgeous. I think you said, wow. Hey, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to cut it for you. And while I'm cutting it, uh, I'd like you to tell me the funniest thing that ever happened to you. All right. Uh, it's going to be really hard to narrow it down. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> Most people have horror stories. I'm glad you have funny ones. Oh, I've got plenty of those. Um, I guess the funniest would be... A group uh, for a wedding ordered a photo booth. Photo booth never arrived. Bride is crying, throwing a fit. Um, I literally ran down. It was middle of winter, snowing. I ran down the street um, to a CVS, and I think I bought like 20 disposable black and white cameras. And I just played photographer all night. And they loved it. They loved it, absolutely. Um, Another one... (laughs) This was back in college when I was working at a local restaurant. It was a birthday party, and the princess didn't show up. Oh, no. But they had the outfit, so they made me wear it. Taylor, no. Absolutely. But you're so tall. Did it really fit properly? No, it didn't. (laughs) It did not. Um, And I'm sorry, Disney, you would not be impressed. But uh, it was fun. I mean, they loved it. We pulled it off. Nobody noticed that I was the same person that had just welcomed them into the building. Oh, that's a riot. So it was fun. It was the first and last time I'll ever wear a Disney princess costume. Yeah, but it says so much about you. You know, you were cooking in the kitchen, and that's all about nurturing. But what you're describing now is also a different kind of nurturing. It's really showing up for someone and just making, you know, their dreams come true. No, and I think that's what nurturing people do. I mean, isn't that what we're here for? That's well, why we do what we do. Great stories. So um, I'm going to give you a piece of the cake. I'm not going to tell you the name of it. Okay. And I would like <laughs> you to um, try it. And maybe describe it. Well, it's beautiful. And the first thing she's doing is smelling it because that's the most (laughs) important. Actually, do you know, people do that intuitively uh, for all kinds of reasons. But as you know, 80% of taste is smell. Kind of smells Um, like olive oil. Oh, okay. You're smelling some olive oil. Okay. Anything else? It's coming through to you. It's a very homely cake. 
And it's something that I invented, Taylor. And, oh. you know, I don't know if you know, but... I should have researched your recipes better. <laughs> well, you know what? Guess what? You wouldn't find this one. Oh. I have. It turns out that over the 40 years that I've been doing what I'm doing, I've invented probably 3,000 original recipes. But this is the only one I never share. Why is that? Can I ask? Well, it, uh, I used to sell it. It was on the market about 20 years ago, made by a Zen Buddhist bakery up in Yonkers. So once upon a time, you could actually buy it. Uh, and I'm thinking about bringing it back again. So that's why I'm keeping this one cake a secret. It also has uh, many stories that go with it. But no one knows how to make this. Well, I will say it's beautiful. And I love the sugar crystals on top. I don't know if that's just the icing or if it's actually... It, it's called pearl sugar. Oh, it's yes. beautiful. It tastes great. Um, yeah, I get a lot of olive oil. Man, it's on I mean, the tip of my tongue, but I don't yeah, want to guess and be wrong. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. So it's rosemary. So the uh, ingredients in the cake, It's I call it Venetian wine cake, and it's made with red wine, olive oil. You got that right away. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, what kind of olive sugar. oil do you use? Can I ask? Well, I use a combination of kind of regular olive oil um, and extra virgin. So if it was okay. all made with extra virgin, it would be too too heavy. Uh, the reason why the cake is never the same way twice ever. I've been making this for 20 years and it's never the same uh, because I because I change up the olive oils mm -hmm. and, uh, and it also has red wine in it. So I collect you all the red wine at the end of the, um, you know, at the end of the bottles that we drink and I make a little cuvee. So that changes, that changes too. But, but the color, right? It's got yeah. this kind of little greenish khaki mm -hmm. tint that comes from the red wine. That's incredible. You don't get the red wine until on like the back half. Yeah. That's that's amazing. And and a lot of freshly grated lemon rind. So yeah. you've got some some lemon going in there. But just to test your sort of culinary chops, tell me how you would make this your own. What might you serve with it? How would you turn it into a dessert? Would you do a special wine pairing with it? I would actually take this and maybe do away with the uh, pearl sugar on top and make it a little bit more savory because I love savory desserts and mm. I love sav serving them as appetizers with like a cheese plate or something like that. Um, I'm a huge cheese lover, so I never wait till dessert. I always do it for appetizer. So you would take the sugar off the top. Do you think it's too sweet to serve with cheese or? No, I just I like my desserts a little savory. So or maybe less. I don't know, mm -hmm. but it's beautiful the way it is. So maybe I wouldn't take it off. OK, um, but I would definitely serve this with cheese. Maybe some quince paste and wow, yeah, I love it. I love this menu that you're this new dessert yeah. you're creating. Thank you so much. No, what might you serve with it? Do you want a cup of hot coffee with this, or do you want um, oh, a no, glass of Madeira? Yeah, we're going a pair of tea for dark red wine. <laughs> Fantastic, thank you. And speaking of um, your palate and what is important to you, um, I think a lot about this idea of authenticity and um, and what that means, because we're carving out, you know, a, a very particular personal journey for ourselves. So it's really important to show up as ourselves, right? Uh, as I really didn't have any role models either, uh, and you shared the same. So Taylor, what does it mean to you to be your most authentic self? Um, well, I really like that you said carving out your own path. I think... I've never thought about it that way, but I like that a lot. Um, being my most authentic self, I think that is definitely what got me in this chair right now, right here doing this show. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, it's just 
it just comes back to doing what you love and, you know, having the balls to do it, if I can say <laughs> that. Um, you can. Yeah, I, I love showing people a great time. I love taking care of people. It's funny, like, I don't really like children, but my friends always call <laughs> my friends always call me the mother of the group. Mm. So I was like, I guess I have enough children. I don't need any more. <laughs> um, but it's fantastic. I love what I do. I love interacting with guests, getting to know them. You know, I'm at the front, so it's just I have a matter of seconds to figure out what they want, what they need, and what they expect. And then at the same time, figure out how to give it to them. And it's fascinating to me. And it's it's a thrill. It's a rush. It's a science. It's I just I really, really enjoy it. Well, I think you really embody it. And that's really what I picked up on, you know, in the first few minutes of our encounter together. Uh, if you had to mention one or two or even three words that uh, have served you well in terms of your work ethic, what would it be? What would they be? Um, open-minded, stubborn, <laughs> uh, and passionate. Those are three great words. Yeah. My parents, to describe your one woman kitchen. Yeah, my parents always taught me, um, you're not going to get anything if you don't persevere. And if you're not stubborn enough to show that you want it, you're not going to get it either. So, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned about authenticity for yourself, um, you use the word caretaker. And again, this idea of nourishing. Um, I think women are are given this role in life. You know, obviously men too, and they cook and they're fathers mm -hmm. and all kinds of things. But there's something that seems to be uh, something very, there's a real feminine aspect to it. There's a very nurturing, dare I even say goddess aspect to, <laughs> to what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we need to think of our, ourselves not as anchors, but as goddesses. <laughs> and when you go back to work today, you can tell your, your boss, uh, I'm no longer an anchor. I'm I'm your new goddess. I'll, I'll let you tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> and I will. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to get to know you. Oh, thank Taylor. you. You too. Thank it's, you. It's been so nice being here today. One of the reasons I'm doing this show, Taylor, is is to learn. Um, you know, I also teach at, at the new school class called The Language of Food. So everything that swarms around this topic is something that really fascinates me. But I tell my students that we're really here to learn together, and I'm really there to learn from them. That's the real secret. Mm -hmm. So I also want to learn from you. And I'm thinking um, let, we're new friends. We're sort of colleagues. And I'm coming over for dinner because you were nice enough to invite me. So what might you make for me or prepare? You mentioned even how much you love cheese. So even <laughs> if you were to pick one perfect or two cheeses for me, what might you, how would you, it's really the process. Like what, mm -hmm. how would you go about even thinking what to serve? Uh, well, that's an easy one. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably the easiest question all night. Um, <laughs> So I would definitely, it being the holiday season, I would take one thing from my father and one thing from my mother. Mm. Um, so every year, Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, if I am home, my father and I go hunting together. Um, we usually get a deer and then we take it to the nearby um, butchery called Zooks. Uh, it's amazing. And we get it all dressed up, every single part of it, and we take it back for either Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. Um, so I would absolutely share that with you. It's some of the best meat you'll ever have, mm. uh, smoked, cured, or otherwise. 
And then from my mother, I would make you her southern cornbread dressing. Wow. It's, I won't even attempt to make it until she officially shows me how, (laughs) because there's no way I could compare to that. It is, on Thanksgiving, I don't even eat turkey. I just eat dressing and canned cranberry. (laughs) Um, But it's amazing. So I would definitely share those two things with you, because I don't think anybody should go through life without them. Thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm coming over. Yeah. (laughs) It has been such a delight to spend some time with you and get to know you a little bit. And um, I have a feeling there are other people who would like to know you, too. So how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on LinkedIn. My personal email and everything is on there. Um, I'm actually re-downloading Instagram as we speak so that everyone (laughs) can find me on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really just been such an honor to be here today. Um, thank you so much. And I'm really glad that everything turned out the way that it did that night. So (laughs) me too. Thanks for being so kind until the next time. Know that when you're nourishing others, you're also nourishing yourself. I'm Roseanne Gold, and this is One Woman Kitchen. One Woman Kitchen is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2019. Follow me on Instagram at Roseanne Gold and check out everything I'm up to on my website at RoseanneGold.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.